Greetings and welcome to this episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. Joining us on this episode is Dr. Vimal Mishra, the Medical Director of Telehealth at VCU Health System. Today we'll be discussing an innovative virtual program to help combat the opioid crisis in rural Virginia communities through the connectivity of telemedicine. But first, let's welcome Dr. Mishra to the program. Thanks for being with us today, sir. Thank you, Julian. Thank you for inviting And we're glad to have you. And again, thanks for making a few minutes in your busy schedule. To start, let's talk a little bit about telehealth and the possibilities it opens up for meeting the medical treatment needs of patients who might live in more remote communities and the opportunities for collaboration that it presents for providers like you who may be separated by hundreds of miles but can connect in real time to share insights or best practices or consult with your colleagues on patient cases. As someone who leverages telehealth tools in your practice area, Dr. Mishra, what are your observations about the power of this platform? So telehealth uh, has been there in some form since last 20 years, and uh, we have realized that telemedicine does improve capacity um, of the specialist care at the communities and the rural communities especially. Um, and uh, we have seen tremendous response in so many different uh, ways. At VCU, we have been providing telemedicine in one way or form for the last uh, 20 years. Um, we do provide about 13 to 19 specialty services to the Department of Corrections. Uh, we do provide specialty consults to uh, community hospitals and also Project ECHO where we are uh, providing a telementoring model, a guided practice model, which increases workforce capacity to provide best practices, uh, specialty care and reduce health disparity. It's basically hub and spoke um, knowledge sharing network led by experts here at VCU who use telehealth uh, technology to conduct virtual clinic with community providers. By doing this, uh, the primary care doctors, nurses, and other clinicians learn to provide excellent specialty care to patients in their own communities. And you mentioned uh, Project ECHO, so I want to get to that. But sticking on the subject of telehealth here, just for a second, and you mentioned that it's been sort of in use, I think you said at VCU, for probably the past 20 or so years. There is still more to be done, I think you probably would agree, on the policy side to enhance telehealth. For example, Medicare still generally limits telehealth coverage, but its hospital-based use, as you said, has expanded. And from the statistics I've seen, it's gone from about 35% in hospital-based use maybe 10 years ago to now more than 75%. And so with that background, let's make that segue to uh, the Virginia Opioid Addiction Extension for Community Health Outcomes, which is ECHO and the clinical team at VCU where you and your colleagues are using telemedicine to help respond to the opioid crisis. Uh, I wonder if you might talk a little bit more about the project ECHO model is, how it functions sort of as a virtual clinic, and what the work uh, surrounding that effort looks like sort of in a uh, a practical sense. So, no, thank you, Julian, for that question. Project ECHO is a telementoring and guided practice model that revolutionizes medical education and exponentially increase um, workforce capacity to provide best practice specialty care and reduce health disparity. The way it works is hub and spoke model of knowledge sharing led by experts here at VCU who use telehealth technology to conduct virtual clinics with community providers like primary care doctors, nurses, other clinicians. So with this exchange of knowledge network, the, the, uh, the clinician learned to provide excellent specialty care 
to the patients in their own communities. And what kind of communities? I mean, we've said rural communities. I mean, are we talking about Southwest Virginia? Or are we talking about Southside Virginia? What kinds of communities? And when we talk about sort of some of the, the provider groups or the specialists that you're working with, I mean, are we talking about everyone from folks who are working at CSBs or in behavioral health to primary care practitioners? You know, who, who are the sort of partners, if you will, and, and what are the communities of activity? That's a fantastic question. So for Project Echo especially, we started our first Project Echo on 18th May 2018. It's around about a year we have been providing, we have been doing virtual clinics, Project Echo clinics. We we have number, we have about 75 or 77 different health centers or clinics who have participated with us. They belong, region represented includes Southwest Virginia, Northeast Virginia, Northern Virginia, Southeast and Central Virginia. And the participants uh, range, it's a multidisciplinary, a real multidisciplinary clinic where you have physicians, PhDs, LPNs, rehab professional, RNs, EMS folks, NPs, PAs, social workers, all participate in one way or the one form. Can you tell me just a little bit about, you, you mentioned that this has been going on since about 2018 uh, as it relates to this specific project. Have you seen any uh, growth in participation, uh, more people getting engaged with this model as awareness uh, is raised uh, or more people uh, gain knowledge about the fact that this is happening? No, that's a fantastic question, and, and it has been an incredible opportunity for us here at VCU and in the partnership with Department of Health, Virginia Department of Health, and other folks. It has been an incredible journey. Um, and, you know, what we have seen, the interest has been consistent and persistent. Uh, we had about, you know, each clinic when we have clinic every bi-weekly clinic, one and a half hour clinic, which is broken down into two sections. The fourth section, uh, it's a didactic section where we uh, get information from uh, the, the community providers, the clinicians, as what they are struggling with. And we kind of identify who is the right person to talk about that uh, in, in the expertise field. So it is not necessarily that we just have VCU folks presenting, but we have invited DMAS to present about, you know, how the arts program work and those kind of things. When we have that, that is the first 20, 30 minutes of conversation. And then we have about two cases which are presented by the community providers. And they ask questions which are really complex. And many times the answer comes from the community itself rather than the expert here. And that's, that's the, the brilliant part of this is as you're creating this learning network. We have seen total of 200 participants uh, since uh, since we have opened up the, the uh, virtual clinics. Uh, more than 40% actually re-engage and they come back because they like the program so much. Uh, so that's a that's a huge success. And also we have about total 28 uh, participants per session across Virginia where they join the virtual clinics, the uh, tele-echo clinics. And if you just exclude our hub, there are about 20 participants every time we have teleecho clinics. I hope that answers your question. So we have seen real engagement from the community, uh, consistently about 20 folks outside VCU joining our tele teleecho clinics. It sounds like you're getting some strong engagement, which is positive. I wonder, beyond participation level and engagement, are there metrics you're using to sort of track how this is helping uh, real patients experiencing real health challenges uh, or substance use challenges, as the case is? 
That's that's a, a excellent question, Julian. So one of the things why we were doing this project, Echo, and as as explained earlier, that this is more of a mentoring, where you are creating expertise in the communities itself. So one of the drivers to this public health epidemic of opioid abuse and uh, misuse is incomplete care continuum and lack of healthcare providers for providing best practices. Yeah especially in opioid case management, prescribing, and dispensing. So that is the gap we are filling with Project Tackle here. And uh, when we are talking about other metrics, we, we do have, we do not, uh, this is not a direct patient care. We help the providers in the communities and the clinicians in the communities to take care of their patients better. So we are not able to track as how this is directly impacting patient care, but we do uh, collect service res- uh, survey responses from these providers and clinicians who are participating. And I'm really glad to uh, see the results. Um, uh, and we have had phenomenal positive uh, response from the community. And I'm just looking into um, some of the data here. So, so give me a second. We have about... Yes, here it is. Today, I'm looking for 92% of the uh, of the providers or the clinicians who have actually taken care, uh, which who have participated in Project Echo with us, rank us excellent in terms of the content, or are very good. So that's a fantastic way. We also the biggest change which we are seeing is about 33% of respondents have said that they have changed the practice because of taking participating in Project Echo with BCU, which is a huge change. If you're practicing, you're changing practice based on the discussions we are having here, then it's probably improving the patient care per se. But again, this is this is all distal and CME kind of uh, education changes rather than direct patient care. Understood. Well, I mean, those reviews sound like they're overwhelmingly positive, so that's an encouraging sign. And the fact, as you said, that about a third of the survey respondents are saying that they've incorporated things that they've learned in this knowledge-sharing process uh, into their practice, it sounds like it's having some real value for them as well. I want to stick on this subject for one moment more. You talked about in your previous response about prescribing trends, and obviously we're all well aware that uh, New laws have been passed, particularly here in Virginia in the General Assembly, regarding both uh, prescribing volume and prescribing duration of opioids as one of the strategies that's been implemented to respond to the opioid epidemic. Some of this, the data that we've seen on our end indicates that prescribing volumes across the Commonwealth are down, and in addition to prescribing volumes, uh, some of the most recent data from VDH has indicated that the total number of opioid-related fatalities in 2018 was down slightly from the figure in 2017. I wonder, just from your experience in this arena, what you're seeing with regards to those numbers or how you interpret those numbers. Do you think that Perhaps a corner has been turned or is being turned. Obviously, there's still work to do, but what are your thoughts in that regard? Julian, I totally agree with you that there's a lot of work to be done. I think we are just seeing a trend at this point of time, and we need to continue to cruise through. I think several of the programs which have been implemented are making, raising awareness, raising uh, overall education level, raising the change in practices, 
And I think all of it is cumulatively working towards uh, improvement in this uh, epidemic. So I think it's work half done. And Project ECHO is this part of the puzzle where we are trying to reach out and really specifically at the point of care and where the community provider exists, increase the expertise and improve the expertise so that they get the real help when they need it. Well, I really want to thank you, Dr. Mishra, for sharing your perspective um, on this challenge and the steps that you're taking at VCU uh, using telehealth and the Project ECHO model to really help providers in other parts of the Commonwealth uh, treat the patients that they're seeing that are dealing with substance use challenges. Before we let you go, we're going to close with one question that we like to ask all the guests on VHHA's Patients Come First podcast, and it's one that we borrow actually from a popular BBC program, and that question is this. If you were stranded on a deserted island, what one book and one album would you take with you to keep you company and keep yourself occupied? And we will spot you a religious text of your choice. So other than that religious text, what one book and one album would you take with you? I'm a a scientist and a very curious person. So I will take any book with me which kind of helped me understand the world in a new perspective. Okay. And what about uh, one album? What island tunes would you want? I like nature. So I'm not really sure if I will take an album, a music album. I just like the seashore, the noise there, the, the birds. Then again, I'm a very curious and and then I believe in innovation, so I, I just feel like maybe I'll just listen to that. Just, just the natural sounds. Okay. Yeah. Well, listen. That is that is a soundtrack of it of its own. So yeah. that that that's I think that's a legitimate answer. Well, with that, um, we're going to let you go. But we do appreciate, as I said, you taking a few minutes to be with us today. And uh, thanks for joining us on the podcast, sir. Thank you very much, Julian. I appreciate it. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. You can listen to this episode and previous episodes of the podcast through SoundCloud, Blueberry, or online at www.vhha.com. You can also send us questions, comments, feedback, or suggestions about future podcast episode guests using the email account pcfpodcast at vhha.com. Again, that address is pcfpodcast at vhha.com. We also encourage you to connect with us on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. You can contact us through Twitter using the hashtag PatientsComeFirst, and our Twitter account is at VirginiaHHA. Thank you. <music>